Welcome back to On The Record on News Talk 106 to 108. Gavin Riley with you until one o'clock. Now, Johnny Patterson, the rambler from Clare, was a world-famous clown and circus performer in his day. He took the world by storm in what was the golden age of circus. He quickly became one of America's highest paid entertainers and he was arguably the first Irish comedian. And yet his story is also a deeply tragic one, attacked on stage as a result of a humorous song, preaching a non-sectarian message, how 2019 is that, and lost his life as the result of a brutal assault. I don't know about you, but that sounds to me like a very intriguing intro to another slot of Hidden Histories with Donald Fallon. Um, Donald, afternoon, how are you? Good to be here. Uh, the circus, uh, once upon a time, was really a massive, massive part of pop culture. It did, and I think it's fair to say, you know, in recent years, the circus has kind of faded away from that particular standing in popular culture, probably because of concerns, you know, around things like animal rights and, and the welfare performers as well but in the 19th century when those things didn't matter quite so much mm. the circus was you know it dominated popular culture and the story of this character Johnny Patterson it's really of another time entirely you know and, and it's quite a remarkable story really it takes us from Liverpool to Clonmel to Madison Square Gardens you know wherever there was a circus this man performed in them all born in Clare in 1840 one of the leading figures of that global scene and I think this story touches on a lot of very diverse issues but as you heard in the introduction ultimately it, it's a very very sad story you know it ends in a death and it's inspired plays in recent years. I mean, this ends really in a riot on stage mm. because of what was a well-meant political message. And now he is someone who wandered into the circus world through his growth for music. Totally by accident. You know, he, as a youth, he had this great love for music and, I mean, his, his uncle believed the best way to nurture it, I don't, I don't agree that this is the best way to nurture a child's love of music, was to put him into the army. Uh, <laughs> as, as a drummer boy in the army, go off and bang a few drums for the army. And after five years in the army, he'd learned how to bang a drum and he wanted to get out of there. And at 19 years of age, he bought his way out and joined the circus of a man named John Swallow. But it cost him 20 quid, which, I mean, in, in 1850s, 1860s Ireland is a significant... Well, it, it's mad in, in the 21st century to think of someone as having to buy their own freedom that way. Yeah, buying um, yourself out of the army and yeah. joining John Swallow's circus. Uh, and what was on offer in a circus like that of John Swallow I love Swallow reading. Ads for 19th century circuses are brilliant. I mean, they sound fantastic. Triple somersault acrobats, the four Bengals continental jugglers, the five wolf runners... I don't even know whatever, what, what, whatever that means. Ponderous performing elephants, male and female equestrians, hair-raising aerial gymnasts, a troop of 12 perfectly trained blue and white horses and ponies, and the world's funniest clowns and mimes. So uh, that's a 19th century ad for John Swallow's Circus. He got value for money at least. I really like the ponderous performing elephants, as if elephants these days when they're performing are a little bit more agile and a little <laughs> bit less intellectual in their thinking. Um, now, he reinvented the word clown because, you know, back then a clown was as much a comedian as anything. Yeah, I mean, what is a clown? And, and, and Harry Bradshaw has written quite a lot about Patterson uh, he, he writes about how he takes this idea of what a clown should be and he twists it so he creates a very Irish clown he becomes the Irish singing clown and he discards the kind of accepted costume of the day and he wears this kind of neat tweed outfit with shamrocks on the sleeves Celtic harp uh, on the crest as well and he has these great Irish songs this Irish wit and, and the point that Harry who he's written a lot about and makes is that you know Ireland in the 1850s and 60s is in a very bad place people are at a very low ebb they've just come through the, the chaos of famine mm. mass emigration as a factor of life but quote he had an inbuilt sense of humour and a readiness to laugh he maintained that Irish people as a whole had that as well so he comes along at a moment of, of great depression I would argue in kind of Irish society with this uniquely Irish clown act yeah, It's interesting that the, when the costume you mentioned there it almost sounds more like a Darby O'Gill leprechaun costume yeah, than a clown yeah. that we'd imagine today um, It was this man let's have a clip who set him off to stardom Now, 
was that name that John Lennon uh, recited there in a possibly slightly drug-addled haze, Pablo Franke, <laughs> uh, the man who gave him his stardom. What a breakthrough. What a breakthrough it was. And I mean, Pablo Fank was the, the first black circus owner in the UK, uh, a character whose circus dominated the kind of Victorian British circus industry for some 30 years. And yes, anyone familiar with that? What an incredible album that is from mm. start to finish. Uh, Sergeant Peter's Lonely Heart, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club. That song is, is inspired by Pablo. And some accounts have it that Pablo was born in a workhouse, but regardless of where he was born, he came from very little and he built himself up as a magnificent entertainer, brilliant horse rider and rope dancer, among other things. The reviews are just fantastic. You Pablo Fank is an artiste of colour and we've never seen his skills surpassed never mind equaled he's the hit of the evening the steed in question is Bida the black mare that Fank bought from Batty that the horse attracted so much attention is testament to Fank's extraordinary horse training skills these things are reviewed in contemporary newspapers like their theatrical productions mm. you know, that's, the, that's the, the cultural standing of circuses in the 19th century but Pablo is the, he's the leading figure really in the British circus industry and he grabs this Irish talent and puts him on the world yeah, stage it really is the kind of the Cirque du Soleil of its day as well but Pablo Fank and his band of merry men and women they played to some pretty dangerous crowds there was, money, there was well. money to be made if you wanted to make it you could and he, he went everywhere Dublin, Belfast, Cork, Galway Balnasloe, Carlo, Kilkenny Waterford, Clonmel that's one tour I mean he goes absolutely everywhere and the reason people come to watch this circus is it has a reputation for being mad and has a reputation for being very very dangerous <laughs> and on one occasion there's this tightrope walker and she tumbles 60 feet down to the earth thankfully landing into the arms of an audience member but that's good value for money you know if you're going to yeah. see madness, madness like that and he brought it famously to the Donnybrook Fair in Dublin now, I don't mean the uh, I don't mean the shop up there. No. In- very yeah, important to stress that. Very yeah. important to make that point <laughs> before we're sued. But the Donnybrook Fair in the 19th century was this just mad place where, you know, every year, it's been happening since the 17th century, people gathered in their thousands and just went ballistic. And the police, the Dublin Metropolitan Police, called it an intemperance orgy. The clergy said the scenes of immorality, prostitution and sickness, which originate in Donnybrook, are too appalling and too forcible to believe that these proceedings, which have led to the destruction of thousands, could ever be considered entertainment. I mean, it was the electric picnic of its day. <laughs> and just to stress nothing to do with the modern day Donnybrook Fair Absolutely. lest anybody be getting their wires crossed but of course that left its legacy in the English language as it well it did it did believe it or not it made its way into the, into the, into the dictionary where a Donnybrook is described as an inordinately wild fight or contentious dispute brawl or free for all Pablo didn't care you know he brought his circus right into the madness of the Donnybrook Fair within five years the fair was over it was really coming to its end it had just gone too far but it was it was, it was the centre of madness really if you're going to perform on a mad stage in Ireland the Donnybrook Fair was the place to do nor it. is that the definition of what the modern day denizens of, of Donnybrook would probably like to be associated <laughs> with. Uh, but Pablo and gang, they also opened the door to international performance and it that's where, I mean, that, where that Patterson was, got That was the great start. You know, performing with Pablo Fank was the great start and he, he went everywhere. He delighted in performing in the UK. He found love and he married in, in, in Liverpool and there was an Irish diaspora in Britain, of course, post-famine that wanted to hear Irish songs and in America as well. And some of the songs that he wrote are, are really good songs. I mean, they're not just doggerel. The garden where the Pratties grow includes the wonderful line, have you ever been in love, boys? And did you ever feel the pain? I'd rather be in jail myself and fall in love again. Lovely. America in the 1870s was the real breakthrough. I mean, he performed in Madison Square Gardens and in New York. In America, they billed him as the famous Irish humorist, conversationalist and rambler from Clare. But it was a kind of curious age in America because there was, I think, quite, it's fair to say, quite a racist stage Irishman that was emerging on, on, on stage that wasn't entirely to be welcomed. But there was something quite intellectual at the heart of, of, of Patterson's routine, I think. The money was good and he made enough money in America that he could come back to Ireland, a very wealthy man, which in the 19th century was an unusual enough thing in itself. But of course, when he did come back, no doubt he was coming back to an Ireland that was changing pretty rapidly. The climate was tense, but by the late 19th century, you know, Parnellism, Parnell was on the move, and it seemed like Charles Stuart Parnell 
was moving Ireland towards the aspiration of home rule, which was mm. most people's aspiration, it should be said. But there was political tension in the air, and uh, Patterson performed in, in Belfast, which had a thriving performance scene compared to Dublin. There was a great market up there for any kind of theatrical performances. And I think that sectarianism in Belfast shocked him so much that he wrote this well-intended song called do your best for one another, which had this very simple message of trying to encourage the kind of various factions in Ireland, unionist and nationalist, to unite and to seek common ground if they could. And it's funny to think of it in the late 19th century as well, but this whole message of reconciliation ultimately triggered to, to how he died, which is yeah, a pretty, pretty shocking It end. is a shocking end to this. I mean, we spent the last, what, 10 minutes talking about a clown and someone that brought joy and entertainment into people's lives. And then the manner in which he dies is just, it's just so shocking. Now, the, the facts of it are, are disputed. The bare bones of it are this, that on a night in May 1889, he's performing in Tralee and he sings this new song and an eyewitness who was there remembered that he carried a small flag in each hand one was green and embroidered with the harp the other was red and bore the crown and he kind of mixes these two flags together and that was just it it triggers this massive row in the crowd which is instigated I think by kind of you know, separatist nationalists who just mm. cannot stand the idea of seeing the harp and the crown side by side. But if you pull that stunt in Belfast, there probably would have been a riot as well. It just would have happened in reverse. It would have been unionists yeah. kicking mm. off. And the eyewitness that was there said that while attempting to save the circus equipment, he was struck on the head with an iron bar and then kicked before the staff could rescue him. So imagine the idea of a comedian or performer telling a joke that a crowd don't like today and people getting on stage and, and quite literally battering them. And mm. while this was toxic... It wasn't without precedent. It had actually happened before. There have been political riots in Irish theatres and concert venues. Uh, on one occasion, they, they, they pelted someone with oranges because they thought he was an orangeman, which was <laughs> quite ingenious. That's a very sophisticated the, manner of attack. The sheer yeah. level of violence here was absolutely shocking. And I mean, he died in hospital following this assault. And that someone who toured the world making people laugh was battered in that kind of way, I think is still shocking and it's still a disgrace even now. Uh, in spite of his, his very tragic death in 1889, the circus did continue though. The family tried to keep the show on the road if they could. The son actually remained in the circus game and he, he even ended up running his own small circus. But uh, he did, the, the, the same appeal wasn't there. I mean, Patterson was the man. And when he died, I think the manner in which he died left such a sour taste in, in, in people's mouths. It brought about a decline of the industry more broadly. And it has been transformed I mean, in, in recent times by, by issues like, as I mentioned, at the start, animal welfare. But it's, they're still very lucrative circuses you know, mm. globally. There's still a custom even of circuses travelling around Ireland that the crowds uh, might not be the same. And the stardom of Patterson's age is long past. But I think he remains a legendary name to anyone that works in that industry. Fascinating story about a fascinating man. Donald Fallon, the author of the Come Here To Me blog and book volume two. Thank you very much for joining us. That Come Here To Me book, by the way, uh, would make a very, very good choice if you got some book tokens at Christmas <laughs> because, you know, just always <laughs> nice to get the plug in there. Uh, that is it for me and the entire show today. Off the Ball is up next here on News Talk. My thanks to the production team of Roisin Davis and Steve. Even Jordan. Peter Malloy was on sound today. Now, to play us out, we can't talk about someone of the likes of Johnny Patterson, possibly the greatest showman of his day or any other, without playing a little something from the film soundtrack from last year. Going to go with this. Uh, off the ball is next. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I am not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars Run away, you say No one will love you as you are But I won't let them break me down to dust I know that there's a place for us For we are glorious Sharpest words wanna cut me down the sin of blood gonna drown a mind. I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Yeah, cause here I come.
Oh!